You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Welcome to the World Football Programme on 107.9 FM. I sound very quiet. Now, there we go. I can hear myself louder. Good morning, everyone. And everyone listening anywhere else that's not morning, good afternoon to you. Or evening. Yep, could be. Podcast listeners out there can get onto the archive at Radio Fremantle website or our worldfootballprogram.com.au website and listen to the podcast anytime. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Good morning, Pete. Morning, Pen. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm pretty relaxed. Really excited about the World Cup happening, regardless of all the political and ethical surrounds. I'm just going to enjoy the football. Well, I was going to say, uh, obviously, we've been waiting a long time for this. And finally, this tournament we've been waiting so long for is kicking off this weekend. Yes. Of course, I'm talking about the A-League women. (laughs) are other things happening That's in right. the world. Including the glory women playing literally as this show ends in two hours, the match kicks off. So I don't know if you're zooming home to catch it on Paramount because they're away in Canberra. Yep. Uh, break for the A-League men. Yep. The Perth Glory Legends game is tomorrow. That's right. And Socceroos land in Qatar. Yep. There, there, there was a picture shared um, on our on our Facebook group, and I've seen it during the rounds this morning, where Andrew Redmayne has apparently turned up in a Peru shirt. Now, then there was some talk of that it was faked, and I don't know if it was faked or not, but I think it was pretty epic if it wasn't. I don't know, but whatever that gets publicity for the soccer <laughs> is okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. We do appreciate it at any time, podcast or live. And I'm hosting for the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a lot of World Cup banter and A-League women. Yep. I'm not quite sure if I'm saying that correct. A-League men, A-League women. Look, I think that's the way to go because A-League if w- you if you go by the branding, it's Liberty A-League and Hyundai, which much. I think is terrible because you don't know whether they're talking about the men or the women. And even, even just this week, um, a friend of the show, Nick Templeman, 
posted, uh, you know, a, a preview of the upcoming A-League women matches, uh, but it was just called, you know, Liberty A-League. And I'm looking at it and it said, you know, Western United playing their first ever match. And I'm, I'm sort of scratching my head thinking, what was they talking about? Their first ever? And then, you know, eventually maybe I was a bit slow on the uptake. The penny dropped and I'm like, oh, it's, it's the, you know, the women's comp, not the men's comp. It makes sense now. Yep. But yeah, like, I, again, I understand branding and sponsorship and all, but can, can we keep the gender of the competition in the name so we know what we're talking about? Yes, and sometimes we do get the conversations all in together and have to define exactly which one we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I think we should just stick with A-League men, A-League women. Yeah. Okay. And and even if someone occasionally has the slip of the tongue and still says W-League, we know what they mean. We do, absolutely. And yeah. so it shall be. Thank you to our partners, Futsal WA, Oswest Fencing and Rod Iron and Gate and Fence Hardware WA. You'll find them on our Facebook page where you can share your news and also on our World Football Program website links to their pages we do appreciate them sponsoring us and partnering up with us we are volunteers do it because we love it and we'll be here until a week before christmas this year okay covering world cup and a league does that up until the end of the world cup <clears throat> I, ha- I should have actually checked it on the calendar actually i'm going for my dates now when is the last game it'll be december 19 is the grand final Oh, that'll be the same week. There you go. Can't be much of a follower if you call it a grand final. That's that's a very Australian. The it's World the Cup final. final. It, the final. Yes, that'll be December nineteen, and I think it's the Saturday just before that, which will be our last one. Okay. On air. Yeah. Okay. And then we start again in January. So Not much of a break. Football no, goes yeah. non-stop. Yeah, we used to take a couple of months, and that was just because we deserved a bloody break. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much happening this year. We'll just keep on going. Um, Guests for today include Robbie Thompson, Paramount Sports presenter. And Robbie was calling the recent Matildas games. Yep. So he'll have a bit of an insight there. But we'll have a chat about uh, A-League, which is on break now. The men on break. Uh, A-League women start their first round this weekend, as Pete suggested. And World Cup conversations. We'll have a chat to Kalichi Osunwa. Uh local guy who plays football. Not a bad footballer, apparently. Yeah. He'll tell us all about that just to bring us up to date on local news, coaching movements, player movements, etc. Neil Bennett, Beyond 90, Singer Cup coach and also Perth Red Stars diehard. Mm-hmm. We'll have a chat about what's happening in the Perth Glory women's space. And Zara Board will join us as well, who is a young goalkeeper, played recently for Subiaco in the women's NPL, has been away with the junior Matildas and the young Matildas. So she'll tell us about the journey there and where she's going and maybe a few tips on the World Cup, but we'll ask everybody their tips. Yeah, I think we need to. Are we going to ask our tips or are we going to save that to the end so we can see what everyone else has said first? Uh, I'm happy to give my tips straight up. Okay. So what what do we do? I think we had a a quick chat about this off air. So what what are we tipping? Are we tipping just the two finalists? Well, ultimate winner, how Australia will do, There's, which teams will get out maybe. of which groups. There's plenty of plenty of questions we could ask here. Yeah? I'm very excited because I think there's uh, a few teams that are going to be contenders. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm liking Brazil and France for a final. Mm-hmm. Uh, exciting, flair, uh, out of the box. Um, but I'm going to tip Brazil, France, Argentina and Spain in my top four. Okay, mm-hmm. top, top four is probably a good way to go. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Socceroos. But, um, you know, I'm really happy to be surprised, pleasantly surprised if the Socceroos can push all boundaries. Yep, yep. Mm. Well, look, I'm, I'm thinking 
I'd like a second round appearance again, uh, and I think it's doable. Although I do have a reputation of being bliss, way too optimistic about these sort of things, uh, but you said yeah. So I, I think we can make it out out of the group stage, and after that, who knows? Um, What's your tip? Come on. My tip. Yeah, weirdly, I hadn't actually thought that far ahead. Uh, let, let's say final four without looking at um, actual which ones will be in the finals or so, because it may be that two teams couldn't possibly make it. Um, like two, two teams must meet before then. But look, I'd say England. England would actually be my dark horse to to win it as well. I think they've they've done well in youth tournaments over the last decade, uh, and and hopefully that'll um, come through. So let, let's go England. Belgium again, team strong, strong team. Semi-finals a lot. Um. Is that it? Oh. <laughs> you keep thinking about Germany, it. Well, Germany, Germany will be a, a, a gimme for me. Um, I, I like to think last World Cup was just a blip. And Poland, maybe. Oh, look, Poland. I'll absolutely be supporting as anyone who's seen the way my last name is spelt. But, but. I, I don't pick them to make the semis. Um, <laughs> Okay. Netherlands, yeah. Netherlands, Netherlands. There you go. That's okay. that's my fault. You really had to think about that. Yeah, okay. I did, didn't I? Got you down. So of course I've jinxed all of those teams now, and it's yeah, you know, it's going to be a Qatar versus Iran grand final. Um, <laughs> oh, actually, that would be tasty for a number of yeah. Um, we did fail to mention too, Celtic visiting Australia. Yeah, so the the Super Cups on, and um, which is again a glorified friendly tournament. Uh, but yeah, so and apparently Sydney actually had the win. They they defeated Celtic two one. Uh, when was that game? That was earlier in the week, like a day or two ago. Quiet. Why did I miss that? And hmm. and so there are um, there are still a couple other matches. So this is all over in Sydney, but there's uh, tomorrow it's Everton versus Celtic, and then on the twenty third, Wednesday twenty third, it's Everton against Western Sydney Wanderers. Nice. So it, two. I feel it's a bit quiet over this side of the country with that. Look again, it's it's just a friendly tournament. You know, the I don't World like Cup. the way that you say that, right? It engages the fans, gets the community happening. Oh, it does, but it, like it, it's also meaningless. Like in terms of, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be riots in the streets of Glasgow because Celtic didn't beat Sydney FC, you know. It's, it's a blip on the radar. Let's go to a break and we'll come back and talk more about that after with our guest. Our first guest is going to be Robbie Thompson. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Programme. Thank you for listening in and stay with us. 107.9 FM, your local station. 107.9 FM. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels, all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Oswest Fencing and is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Time. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Pete in the studio. Our guest 
is Robbie Thompson. Good afternoon, Robbie. How are you going? Good afternoon, Penn and Pete. I'm very well. <laughs> Looking forward to, to so much football going on, especially oh, yeah. this afternoon. It sounds like Bill and Ben the flower pot music. <laughs> I was trying to think when, just when I, it was with the intro, and I was just thinking, who is it? Who, who does that remind me of? Yeah, it's exactly that. <laughs> Pen yeah. and feet, the football fan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Um, World Cup, here it comes. Um, we've been talking about our, our tips earlier. I, I'm, I could pick probably eight teams out of this that I'd like to see in the last four of this World Cup tournament just because I'd appreciate their football being played. It- and and for me, it's it's. I always like seeing someone new get through. Whether it's a new team qualify, which this year there are. Well, sorry, other than Qatar, uh, no teams making their first appearance. But even if it's someone making the semis for the first time ever, that's to me that's that's amazing. That's that's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Well, even quarterfinals. Or I mean, once you're in the quarterfinals, you're you're it. And I'm just trying yeah. to. Think, I mean, we had Costa Rica. Yes. Uh, yes. Ten, fifteen years ago, we had Ghana in South yep. Africa, which yep. was amazing. And that whole, I mean, I was there in South Africa and when Ghana made the quarterfinals, it was like, yeah, you know, it was the, the whole world was just, I mean, all of Africa was celebrating that moment. It was incredible. So, yeah, I, I agree entirely with, you know, from our first World Cups to, to now, you always want a couple of surprises. Yeah, 2002 absolutely. for me had a few too many surprises. <laughs> I think there's, you've got a, there's somewhere, you know, Korea Republic were, were knocking out Italy, Turkey were going all the way. I think Sweden... Were, were there as well. I mean, there were loads of... Well, maybe that's going... No, Sweden's USA 94. But it's... Mm. When there's too many surprises, you also want that, that glamour and glory of, you know, of the powerhouses and, and, and all the, the history and, and majesty of football as well. It's a fine line. It's a fine line. But it, one or two surprises is great. I, I agree. But also surprises going the other way as well. Like, to be brutally honest, Brazil going out in the first round without a win would be... I, I wouldn't... Stop! I wouldn't be able to stop laughing. Like, I know I've got nothing against Brazil, but you know what I mean. That would just be such a shock to yeah. everyone. Um, well, why yeah. don't we go with? Why don't we choose France for that then? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've got no <laughs> problems with that whatsoever. I think that um, Ben Benzema's with France, isn't he? And he's had an amazing um, year of football. Well, since uh, Ronaldo left Real Madrid, he stepped up into the space like. Well, the other thing is with yeah. with that proposal about France going out. I mean, obviously, it has been a bit of a, a theme in the last few World Cups that the defending champion does incredibly badly. Um, yeah. German, Germany yeah. went out in the first round at the last one. Uh, in twenty fourteen, Spain went out in the first round when they were defending champions. In twenty ten, yep. Italy. Italy yeah. Yep. So two finalists. Is that in a 2006. is that a cyclic thing? Do you think that they kind of a four year if a country does its work? then it gets the players ready for the four-year cycle and then it starts to rebuild again after it, it that? It may be a bit of a thing. Um, I mean, once you've once you've won the World Cup, you know, there's probably a, a, is a bit of a hangover where, you know, you've maybe very, very slightly lost your edge, you know, to push for it again a second time. But, yeah, it does. I think it that, is a bit of a statistical thing where they, the teams, the defending champions for the last four or five World Cups have done very badly in the following tournament. It's kind of a crap argument, though, really, because if the country is doing their job then it's developing those players and the pathways all of the time, 100%. So you've got players coming into that cycle all of the time and you've got no lull yeah, at all. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I, I hope I it continues. Well, look at, look at... I mean, France, when they won it in 
98, and I take often take the French example, so forgive me because I, I lived there for so long and I, I studied their football and how they how they worked. But So they won it in 1998, yep. and from that moment on, you just had, and probably starting a little bit before that, you, we just had French footballers everywhere, all over the world, and it continues today. The Premier League is full of, of French players. The Champions League, there's more French players than any other nationality than Brazil. Uh, and that's because they, they had this way of, they had success in the World Cup, and everyone looked at them and thought, wow, what's their system? How's it working? Then Spain had their period of, of Euro, World Cup Euro, mm -hmm. 2008, 2010, 2012, and there are Spanish players everywhere now. We've got Spanish players here in Australia, which we never, would, never ever would have had before. Yeah, yep. Before in the, in the mid-90s or when Spain couldn't succeed at, at international level just because they didn't have you know, a, a coherent national identity and structure, which, which Barcelona essentially provided for them in that, that period. And the rest of the country, the FA, went, we're going to go with that. And then, you know, German players after 2014 in Germany and the Bundesliga, it's great. So I think it's, it's part cyclical. But then also there's something psychological about the World Cup. I mean, Italy have been probably going downhill since they won it in 2006. But then they pop up and win the Euros. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then miss out again on the World Cup. So they've missed out on the last two. I mean, it's just <laughs> astonishing. When you when you when you think about it, really, but they're European champions, so there's something special about about the World Cup as well. But one thing's for sure: there's going to be excitement, there's going to be upsets, there's going to be some big scores, and you know, let's hope that the that we're talking about the football. I love just talking about the football. I know that sometimes you can't ignore everything else that's mm -hmm. going on, mm -hmm. and this World Cup in particular is the most highly charged. Politically and and off the off the football pitch, and I don't think you can ignore it. I think the Socceroos have have probably done the right thing in speaking out, even though it's upset and ruffled a lot of feathers and and upset a lot of people in Qatar, a mm. lot of people in the Asian Confederation, a lot of people at FIFA. But you know, FIFA ultimately were proven to be corrupt in giving this event to Qatar. And overnight, we've heard there's not even going to be any beer in the stadium. <laughs> I mean, my God. Pete's just like cancelled all his tickets. <laughs> You know that scene in um, Flying High when they say everything's about everything's gone wrong, the plane's about to crash, and yeah. everything, and everyone's very calm, and then they say, "And we've run out of coffee," <laughs> and the place just goes, "Yeah, everyone goes crazy." That was such a crazy movie. Hey, Robbie, is there a national team that has the most club players in it, or a high number of? Someone said to me, one of the German club teams has the most number of players mm -hmm. in Bayern Munich. If Bayern Munich? Yeah. I, I don't know the numbers, Bayern, but surely, yeah, it would have to be, Bayern, be yeah. They'd be most of the, the German national team already. That's yeah. the key. You've got, to, you've got to supply one nation, one national team with players. It could, I mean, in the old days, you would find like a, a Belgium would be all Anderlecht or a Romania mm. would be entirely CSKA, Sofia or something, or you know, Bulgaria or, you know, those those in those days. But now even, you know, Senegal, all their players play in France or in Europe. Um, Morocco, they're all foreign-born. You know, not all, but there's lots of Dutch-born, lots of Scandinavian-born, lots of Spanish and French-born in the in the Moroccan squad. Um, 
It's not it's not like those old days, but Bayern Munich and Germany, yeah, they probably are. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in now. I, I thought yeah. so, but uh, Bayern Munich of the, the squad has um, six players. Only six are from Bayern Munich and five also from Borussia Dortmund. So uh, not in, I, I thought there'd the, be more in the German squad for the uh, 2012 World Cup. Yeah, but then they probably have a few others, don't they? Oh, like um, promoting at Cameroon. Yeah, sorry, I'm I'm going by by the national anymore. team. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, there may be okay. Bayern Munich yeah. from um, other other countries as well. But yeah, uh, yeah. so but yeah, I thought there, there'd be a stronger one yeah. there. But yeah, 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 true, it's true. Well, PSG have eleven players, but only two two with France. Yeah. Oh example. yes, that, yeah, that's so. a good point. I think maybe yeah. uh, when you were talking about Spain before, particularly. If you wound the clock back, maybe you might have found a Spanish team that was basically a Barcelona team. Yeah, if you went back yeah, 20, 30 years. I'm not sure. Is that going maybe. to... And I'm, I need to like, help. You guys need to help with my mind on this one. <laughs> but would a national team be better performing if it had its players based in the nation so that it could get the players together more in the lead-up cycle for a World Cup? Yes, but will never happen. I mean, that, yes, I, I don't think there's much doubt about that. That would be that would explain the great success of the USSR back in the old days, which they've struggled to to replicate. The old the Eastern European sides that had, you know, fantastic tournaments that had teams that went to the when, I mean, Dynamo Kiev and Ukraine when we had the likes of of Shevchenko there going back earlier, Russia. Um, I mean, the the last example I can think of would be the USA women's team who we had yeah. American girls playing at PSG and at Lyon in front. And one, one day, like in the middle of the night, they all got called back. And they all, and I, was, I spoke to Lindsay Horan, who's the USA number 10 now, and she, I did her last interview at PSG when she had to go back. And she didn't want to go. She was in tears leaving Paris, but she wanted to play in the Olympics and she wanted to play for the national team. And so they all went back to America in 2019, who wins the Women's World Cup at a canter, mm. the USA women they were all there they could have camps whenever they wanted they had but i don't think i mean maybe that was almost the last time you could really do that in women's football as well yeah because now women's football has grown and there's there are players all over the world now as well yeah contractual arrangements with their clubs are pretty strong if that's a strong uh, benefit possibly the team that's going to do best at the world cup will actually be qatar because 12 of their team uh, 12 of their players are from the al sad club in qatar so uh, almost almost half the squad I think they've been together for nearly four months. In yeah, camp. they've been. Yeah, well, they're, well. they're taking it seriously. They, they yeah, um, yeah, they haven't been playing club football. They have, since the the Qatari league finished, they've been all together. They've been in Europe. They've been playing matches like, you know, under the cloak of mystery, and they've been playing lots of football. They've mm. got and yeah, I mean, if that's the case, they let's say, um, not that they will have enormous success but they will punch above their weight they will surprise many or they will at least be better prepared than they would have been if they were graham arnold getting all his players on tuesday yeah <laughs> my, my prediction for qatar was um I, I suspect they're probably realistic about their chances of going through um uh, but that said i'm sure they will want a result in one of the games and it honestly without sounding too much like a conspiracy theorist the second game against senegal is probably the one they've they've penciled in as we can win this one and it would not surprise me if there's all managed managed uh, all um sorts of uh, shonky decisions going their way um followed up oh, by the referee retiring to a <laughs> private island somewhere and never being heard from again 
Um, so that, that's yeah. my other, well, my, my out left field. Well, I mean, Senegal, yeah. they made the quarterfinals a, a few years back as well, and that was, that yeah, was amazing. Yeah, 2002. So, yeah. yeah. And they, they, they're African champions at yeah. the moment. Last yeah. year, remember? Mane defeated Salah in the finals. The two Liverpool players faced off in the, in the penalty shootout in the finals. So Senegal, this is probably the best ever Senegal team of all time, I think. Uh, except however, that Mane's, now, Mane's pulled out. But, that's right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, which is a huge blow for them. But they are a quality team. Yeah, they are yeah. a, a really fantastic football team. So shall we do a little bit of a, a, a brief run-through? So just for everybody's reference, the World Cup starts on Monday. So it's the 21st. There's 64 matches. It is in Qatar. Um, all the games are free to air on SBS. SBS. Um, yep. So there'll be some people staying up so, so well, very yep. late night. So, so the first mornings. first game, Qatar Ecuador, is at Perth time. It's midnight on the Sunday night, Monday morning. Not too bad. Not too. Yeah, yeah that's doable. Yep. yep. And and the second Soccerous match is six pm on a Saturday night. Which I've no, look at that. How's that for timing? I know. Yeah, I think everybody's getting their watch parties and Hello and Varsity and, Bar. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, hopefully, anybody's anybody's going to be somewhere next to someone watching football mm-hmm. and drinking a cold beer, unlike the people in the stadium. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, well, the first game six am. On Wednesday morning, next Wednesday, which is you know completely doable as well with a with a with a nice coffee. <laughs> yeah, you're on you're on uh, Eastern States time. We're in Western Australia. Yeah, for us it's three a.m. I, yeah. I, I was thinking six p.m. was a good kickoff time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it's a totally different set of like decent hours for us than than for you. Yeah, there, you know. absolutely. So, yeah, that, that's absolutely. the three a.m. one. That's, yeah, so that's that the opening one. game. I was thinking, oh, opening game, two o'clock in the morning for me. <laughs> I, I probably will do it, but. It's, Push. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Robbie, of the eight groups, the and the thirty-two teams, thirty-two teams. Yep. yep. Um, who who's taking your fancy? What teams are looking good from Robbie's point of view? Oh, look, I'm a I'm a, a I'm a bit of old hat, unfortunately. I like the big teams. I like the best players in the world, and and I like the Socceroos. So, honestly, I I haven't even entertained. Because I, I know, I can, I can think rationally about it all I like. As soon as the Socceroos walk out <laughs> on the pitch, it's, yep. it's all going to go out the window. And I won't be able to have any reason or rationale. I'll be shouting at the referee like everyone. And, and you know, I, I, I so hope, so hope that we go through from the group. The last 16 would just be amazing for yes. us. And otherwise, look, otherwise, I don't think you can... And you can never go past the the big guns. Maybe the Dutch are looking good as a sort of second-tier outsider in a country that we don't talk about as much anymore. Yep. Um, the Dutch under Louis van Gaal look, look good, but honestly, I can't go past Argentina, Brazil, um, unless France implode, uh, Germany, Spain, maybe. I mean, I never, I never think England are going to do anything. I don't have... Um, this uh, infatuation with English football or the Premier League—I mm-hmm. don't. I, it doesn't. That doesn't cloud my judgment the way the the Socceroos do. So I, I never get overly excited about about England's chances. I thought they were great at the Euro, yep. and you know, in the last World Cup as well with a very young squad, they 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 surprised me with their 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 coherence, if you like, of their team spirit, of their uh, ability as young players to. To stick to a system and to to get results and score from set pieces and 
and stuff. But England don't. Otherwise, they don't really float my boat. I'm more of a, you know, a Europhile South American studs up challenge, bit of an elbow behind the play, and, and oh, you know, out. a great finish. <laughs> um, we've got uh, just for everybody that December nineteenth is. I'm going to say grand final because Pete hates me saying that, so I'm just going to say that's the grand final of the World Cup. So there's lots of football to be had. Um, and you didn't I narrow. Have to be one hundred percent with Pete on this one. Yeah, okay. That's outrageous. That, that's fine. Sorry, <laughs> the final. All right. Um, and by the way, Robbie, you didn't you didn't pin any number of teams down in that. You just pretty much covered everyone in the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got five. We, 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 were, we were saying earlier we're going to go for everyone to pick their final four. You've given me five there, but that's that's all right. We'll let you. We'll the give final, you the extra. Final four. Yep. Final four. I will go. Netherlands, Brazil. Uh, Argentina, uh, France. Okay. If Australia goes through second in the group. Okay. Uh, and I was actually just looking at the gr- the like the potential second rounds as well. Not getting ahead of myself, but the teams from our group, from Group D, the two the two that go through will play the two teams that go through from Group C. So if again, not getting ahead of myself, but if Australia was to go yeah. through, we would be facing in the knockout stages one of. Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, or Poland. So, um, and yeah, probably be if we so, came second, it would be Argentina. We were facing, uh, assuming they came yeah. first in their group. So a tough. You know, obviously, it only gets tougher after the group stages. But uh, yeah, I love Mexico. Are always great in the group stages, <laughs> and they will have hundreds of thousands of supporters. The Mexican fans travel. I remember Russia. They were just everywhere. It yeah, was spectacular. Actually, and. Uh, I like Mexico. I think they play good football. I love their style. I think they're one of the few teams left, along with Colombia, who aren't who aren't there, who um play with a real national identity. You know, we yep. are, everyone's so physical and fast now. And Poland look you know look like England, who look like you know Brazil. It's they've all lost that their thing. And Mexico for me is one side, but perhaps the Senegal as well. Although Senegal's quite European now, but they have a real national identity and they play little passes movement not physical enough can never do it really at, at the business end of a big tournament but play great football and i would love us to get mexico in the second round because they have this amazing reputation the last seven world cups in a row they've got out of the group stage and then lost the second yeah. round match so and, and i'm always oh, supporting them yeah yeah <laughs> Um, Robbie, I've got to ask before we let you go, uh, the big thing in the news with Ronaldo and Manchester United, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, how weird. What a weird <laughs> thing to have done for Cristiano, really. I mean, he must be... I mean, we had Ninkovic here come out and get involved in a, a bit of the press. Maybe he knew something we didn't know. But, I mean, it's it's... I mean, who does he think he is, really? We're talking about Manchester United here. I mean, Manchester United are one of the, you know, when one of the top ten in the world, like the Juve, Barca, Real, Manu, Bayern, hmm. this this calibre of, of team, these are, these are the big guns. And no player is bigger than, than the team. And the coach is the club representative. Yep. You know, I mean, yes, coaches can make mistakes. Coaches can be bad for a club and the, the fans will will have a go. But, but as a player, you can't come out and, and say, look, I've been lied to, I've been criticised, what's going on here? I can't, you know, I can't, I've been, shown, I've been disrespected. Disrespected by, by a club. I mean, it's, 
and it's your it's employer. Crazy, really? How would that relationship yeah, be when absolutely. you go back and you stand each other and you face other people in the group and that employer? It just would be untenable. It, I mean, if that's the no, way that he can't. wanted to exit the club, I, I think he's pretty much cut the ties there. Yeah, yeah. We need, as I said, you, yeah, yeah, we need to get Sagey on the line and um, get him in a Perth Glory <laughs> kit, quick smart. <laughs> Imagine how much that would cost. <laughs> I don't even know if there's enough. I mean, you'd make a lot in, in shirt sales, probably. The, the, you'd probably blow the, the history of Del Piero's shirt sales. But, but you know what, Robbie? Water, but then we could afford more players. Like, if we got the merchandising happening, we could put the money back into the kitty. And Tony's always saying, yeah, but you know, buy, your, the, um, buy yeah. your tickets at the gate because then it goes to Perth Glory rather than buying them online. Ticketmaster, yeah. So then we put money back into the club and then we can... Not only that, the, the rumour is um, his grandparents live here in Western Australia anyway. So True. there we go. We've got yeah, a family connection. There yeah, we go. I Don't. saw that. Yeah, absolutely. That would be uh, pretty special. Pretty special. <laughs> I can't... You know, I think I think he's still got a few years left at the, at the highest level, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath. I mean, really, really highest level. Yeah. yeah, but when I first saw those quotes, I thought I thought they were misquotes. And then I saw the vision, like the video of him actually saying it, and I thought, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's just crazy, crazy. Yeah. Although yeah. it was quite a, I thought it was quite a humble interview. Like he was just saying the truth of what he felt. He there didn't seem to be much, yeah. you know, I don't know, ego in it. It just, and it was interesting that he was reflecting on a very long career, mm -hmm. and that there were other players that uh, who have had very good careers but not as long, and maybe it's because he looks after himself and he puts a lot of respect in the infrastructures around him and having the support around him to enable him to feel confident and good to play his best. And I thought that was... You know, they're all actually quite valid, good comments that young people should take on board with them. Um, and it was a reflection of, well, maybe some of the people around him aren't like that, and that was a bit of a you know a dig from his point of view. I, I get that. So there's a lot of good things in what he said, but you know, towards his employers, I thought that was just not not on that mm. was yeah, rough. And I think I think we had this discussion um, when I was on with Sean a while back. But I get the feeling players are lasting a little bit longer in the game these days too. Whether sports science has improved to the point where you can be 37, I believe, for Ronaldo and, and still, you know, be playing at the top level. I know in the past there always have been exceptions and players that have lasted that long, but I don't know. I just sort of feel like if you calculated some averages, which I haven't been bothered to do, um, you do get players lasting longer at older ages than maybe that you had in the 80s and 90s and even the noughties. Getting looked after better. Yeah, with getting looked after a bit of sports science and, and, and you know recoveries and, and all that yeah. sort of thing. So. Getting the little rollers and, out. and the incentive of another year on that salary. Ex well, yeah, yeah that's so be, yeah. be exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, Robbie, I think you're absolutely spot on. Ronaldo's 37, I think. Yeah. He looks after himself. He's a good looking dude. He clearly oh, you does had all to the throw that bit oh, in. Oh, sorry, just oh, yeah. Um, but he clearly looks after himself, and that's going to give him longevity. It, it, stop yep. laughing at me. You're just going to watch all the Portugal <laughs> games hoping he takes his shirt off, aren't you? <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Beckham, <laughs> that is. <laughs> Robbie, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time and uh, hopefully you'll join us again through the World Cup and banter with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not a problem. Good lad. Enjoy your weekend. weekend. Enjoy. Thank you, Robbie. Fantastic. Big See you, guys. Robbie Thompson, Paramount football presenter, just uh, chewing the fat with us about World Cup and so forth. Yep. Yeah, lots to have a chat about at the moment. There is uh, yeah, a lot of things to talk about with the, with the World Cup, um, not least of which is uh, 
Ronaldo is going to be the captain of Portugal and yep. the other players that are going to be in his squad and you know, they've been getting a bit more game time than True. him possibly and how that'll kind of work in the dynamic. Let's see how it works, but how it works, how it works. Well, yeah, I mean, look at the Socceroos squad. We've got players in the Socceroos squad who are not fully fit. They haven't been getting match time. But you know what? If they can come on and play a game and it helps us win a game, then that's all we need. And if you're the coach and you look at that X factor or whatever it is that that player brings for that particular opponent, then bring it on. And Portugal's group's an interesting one. They've got Ghana, Uruguay and South Korea. So I'd say there's no one to really challenge them for top spot directly. But at the same time, there's no absolute easy beats either. Like all, all those teams are, well, Uruguay especially, but but even, you know, Ghana and South Korea are both, you know, fairly decent sides. So it's one of those groups where you'd, you'd sort of assume Portugal's going to come first and either one of the, or any of the other three could come second. But at the same time, everyone will be quite happy to steal a bit of, steal a couple of points of Portugal if they can. Portugal by far the highest ranked being ninth, Uruguay being 13th. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was even higher than I thought they were. Korea but, yeah. at 28 and Gunner at 60. Ooh. So, Are they the lowest ranked one at the World Cup? Uh, or is it Australia? Do you know what? Australia ranked 39. Oh, nice. So 38. I'm going to say Qatar at 48. So I would say Gunner definitely looked like the lowest ranked. Okay, yeah. Mm. That might change after the World Cup. Who yep. knows? Let's go to a break and come back and chat more football, of course. This is Penn and Pete. Keep on listening. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at Gate and Fence Hardware dot com dot au station sponsor Cristiano Ronaldo Wayne Rooney Veron Hi I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening in to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle and we appreciate you tuning in. Started to become a little bit more stretched. Rogic trying to seek out Tim Cahill, who got a 
back off the woodwork and the goalkeeper. Poor release, but it'll drop here for Roggy. That's a little bit of football atmosphere to get you ready for the Socceroos happening next week. Pumped. Yeah, a few names in there that we'll be missing, though. Mm-hmm. Mm. Good morning, Kalichi. How are you? I'm super, Penny. How are you? You well? Yes, very good. You've got Penn and Pete having a chat to you this morning, and we've got Kalichi Osunwa on the line, the voice of Perth. How's that, Kel? Uh, factually incorrect, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I, I've heard that you're the MC of some of the club presentation nights. So, you, I don't know, voice of, one of the voices of Perth. How about that? Yeah, one of the voices. I mean, your voice is a great voice as well. Pete, yours isn't too bad. Um, <laughs> Tommy Dolman's got a terrific voice. Sean Fry's got a great voice. I'm just happy to be mentioned along with all the greats, really. Nice. You can come back. Nice. <laughs> We've been uh, dissecting the World Cup, of course, which is coming up this week. Lots of good football. And Matilda's played... Recently, A-League women are kicking in this weekend. Yep. So, um, Celtic is playing over East. Yeah, bunch of friendly matches. It's all great. Yeah, yeah. Don't like, I still don't like the way you're saying that. I mean, it, it is friendly. Okay, it is friendly. But just he's saying that with a smile on his face. Ma- Kel, matches like that matter. don't count for anything. Is that a better way to put it? Yeah. <laughs> it means a lot to the football community, Pete. Yep, yep. yep. But no one's going to be, you know, <laughs> hanging themselves if their team doesn't no, win. that's true. <laughs> It's all about engagement, isn't it, Cal? We, we want engagement, and I think the more quality football that we can bring to our shores, the more we're going to engage the community and we're going to get people at stadiums to support our game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's the best part about it right now is you, you get to watch all these quality football, and I think the local leagues and the season just gone has been superb and super dramatic seasons as well. And the fact that we've got all this football on show, I think it can only be a good thing. Hell yes. Bring it on. So, locally. What's happening locally? We have the Perth Glory Legends game on tomorrow. The, yeah. The, um, um, I think they're playing some all-stars from, um, just from the local scenes as well. Hmm. Yeah, the um, uh, Princess... I was going to say Princess Margaret, but it's the Perth Children's Hospital... Um, and their support of uh, breast cancer and the PCH Foundation, which I think is a, should be the third year that they've had the, the Legends game happening. So if you are not watching something else tomorrow afternoon, and that <laughs> might be one of the A-League games or what else might be happening, Celtic might be playing. You might be getting a nap before the World Cup. <laughs> no, <laughs> that evening. sleep. <laughs> So you might see some people like maybe Jamie Harnwell or Mark Wingle or Vince Matassa, who's yep. hopefully going to be on the show next week, Sarah Carroll, Kenny Lowe, Gaff Navin. Um, are you going to go along and have a look there, Kel? I actually might, now that you mention it. It's, it's just around the corner in Valcada. Mm. And I've uh, seen that Mark is going to play, Sarah's going to play, and so is Caitlin Douglas as well. So yep. well, that's going to be a great day. Yep, 2.30 at Grindeford Reserve in Balcatta, which is just up the road from Sterling Macedonia, which is the new home of Perth Glory. For the season, yep. Yep, which we'll get to explore in next next week, I think. Uh, the Perth Glory ladies are landing home. Excellent. For round, I've, I've got, round yeah, two. Yeah, I've got the round one fixtures. I don't have the round two fixtures yeah. yet. Yeah, so we'll get to explore that. Have you been down to the Sterling Macedonia ground and had a little bit of a peep, Kel, to see how it's going? No. 
keen to see some of the photos that have been coming out, and it does look like it's it's going to be in some tip top net. And um, and like personally, I think it's going to be really cool to see because it'll be a really small and close environment. I think the atmosphere is going to be electric. If you ever get down to Sterling Macedonia regular games of the NPL, the, the atmosphere there is absolutely electric with the sound bouncing off the tin roofs when it when it gets going. So I can imagine it just being so good, not only for the, 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 the glory men, but also for the glory women as well. Mm. One anticipates it's going to be fully enclosed to uh, encapture as many people as they can inside of that space. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who live in that area are going to have cars on their verges. Are <laughs> <laughs> you putting up signs in little grass barriers with ropes? No, they would sell the parking on their front lawn, you know? That's it. $10 per axle. <laughs> Hot dog stands. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all, all part of... Um, I'm sure there's there's been a bit of discussion on the, the local um, city of Stirling, I think it is, uh, forums about you know, what's happening in the area and to expect this and to expect that yeah. and, and so forth. I'm sure there'll be a, a bit of noise, noise barriers being broken too when the shout goes up and glory score down the road. How, how much of the, the upgrades to the ground will remain in place once the glory goes back to NIB, um, you know, and, and next season the NPL kicks off? Like, presumably the the demountable stands will be gone, but will there be any long-lasting effects? Permanent structures. Uh, yeah, permanent improvements um, for Sterling Macedonia? I think the most obvious thing is the quality of the pitch. Yep. Um, I think that's going to be a huge, huge upgrade for them. I'm not too sure about the, the stands and the changing room and anything like that, but I do know that there will be some temporary fencing on one side that might remain. Um, okay. And, yeah, I think I think that'll be really attractive for Southern Macedonia because they've got a huge season um, on well, to, to, to follow up on from their promotion last year as well. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, moving into the NPL. Yeah, finishing very well in the yeah. NPL as well. So. Yeah, I've drove, driven past the um, Perth Oval, Perth Stadium, no, what do I call it now, HBF. NIB, uh, HBF? Yeah. I don't know, it's yeah, all see, a blur. Yeah, yeah, right, far out, where Perth Glory normally play. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I'm i not quite sure what I'm seeing happening there each time I drive past. I was kind of expecting, I don't know, with the World Cup coming, Women's World Cup next year, that it would be a fully encapsulated stadium, but I'm, I'm not actually sure. Kel, can you, do you know what exactly is happening there as upgrades? Um, still in Macedonia? No, at... Uh, or at HBF? Yes, yeah. correct, HBF. <sighs> Not sure? I don't know. There yeah. was there was the Far Post Perth were talking about it and saying that everything kind of looked like um, it would still be in plain neck, I think... Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to overstep and, and say something that I'm not too sure. Of, but I do know that there were some ground upgrades, there were some changing room upgrades, okay. um, and and there was some some stuff around just like the general facilities when you're coming into the press box and stuff like that, um, and just making it more of an international venue. But it, it would have been more of a case of refurbishments than than drastic restructuring or drastic um, construction as well. Uh, so it's the sort of thing if you're driving past, you wouldn't notice anything, you know. Sounds like it. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Sure. There's not going to be a fifth stand that's. Yeah. Been built. I was hoping there would be. But to, then we'd have to get a hell of a lot more uh, memberships. That's true. Well, you know, if we have a good season, that'd be good. Mm. Turn turn up back at HBF Park and suddenly find that the shed's full of seats or something. I don't think I'd be overly happy about that. Well, what about the, the State Football Centre's happening over in Queen's Park and then this movie set? production studios landing up in Whiteman Park and there's a couple of little rumours that maybe that's going to be 
the centre of the football universe up in Whiteman Park. You heard that one, Kel? No, tell me more. Well, there's so much space up there. I know Pete's looking at. No, that I'm, I'm as like well. I know nothing about this, and this sounds interesting. Mm, so I don't know. there's what going to be a a movie. Yeah. Production place. At Whiteman Park. At Whiteman Park. And yep. how does... Well, it doesn't put that aside, but what's that got to do with football? I but, know, you know, both, both sort of... The, the, the money that might get put into upgrading that or making it more um, enticing for public to go to Whiteman Park, which is a public open space with the Caversham Wild, uh, Wildlife Park, the, the oh. Railway Museum up there and the Murder Museum and just generally a park open space where they have events is going to be the movie production set for whatever. That's anticipated and then the word on underneath the streets maybe is that there might be a some kind of football center happening there as well eventually okay that's just like a rumor and you heard that rumor here first and and so Uh, with the movie they might be what making a movie or something you know like no no nothing a sequel to green street hooligans called lord street hooligans about the glory man let's move on now i just thought absolutely there there might be an air bud (laughs) remake with a kangaroo or something like that i just like someone to disprove that or like prove it because it was an interesting rumor that i heard there you go. Okay, yeah, no, I can't weigh in on that other no. than the occasional smart-ass comment from the sidelines. Not at all. And That's what I do best. You're welcome to that, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, Kel, getting back to what's real um, here in Perth, uh, player movements, coaching appointments, things that are happening in the local space, over to you. Yes and no. So this has been this has been quite a weird off-season. So um, just to give a bit of context, so Forest Field for example, came out nice and early and they um, re-signed their coach, Rich Abrams. And a couple of weeks later, there was a picture of Eric Williams as the new head coach after Rich had been signed. And so we all made a joke about, do you have two head coaches? <laughs> um, but they don't. So now Eric is now in charge. But since then, other clubs have kind of not posted about their new coaches. So the coaches that we do know of that's been... Um, signed. Uh, Matty Sparrows at, at, at Fremantle City, Darren Crinkoff at Dianella, um, and, and that's, that's about the ones who we know of publicly, but there's been this, so, so we don't know who was coaching who. Clubs have really kept it a secret and kept it quiet, and it's been really hard for clubs to find coaches on one hand. On the other hand, there are two clubs in the state league who have two first-team coaches, <laughs> Niall Hughes and Colin Morgan at Swan and Ryan Campello and Paul Welch at Joondalup City. So, like, I'm not too sure <laughs> what's, what's going on in that hand because, like I said, it feels like there is a, a strict lack of, of quality coaching that's out there, but then some teams can find two coaches, other teams can't find the coach. Some teams have found the coach and don't want to tell us about them. Um, UWA, for example, have got a new coach who... They're not letting us speak about just yet. <laughs> but then at the same time, we've got the likes of Graham Normington and Dan Evans, who are coaches who aren't coaching at the moment, but all these clubs are looking for coaches. So it's, it just feels a little bit weird. And, and it, isn't just, it isn't just in the men's NPL or the men's state league. For example, Gwellop haven't told us who their new coach is, but we know that they don't have um, Mitch Prentice's coach anymore. But then at the same time, Curtin are looking for a coach in the women's NPL. Balcata are looking for a coach in the women's NPL. And Fremantle City have found a coach in Faye Chambers. So it, it's, yeah, it feels a little bit murky. It feels like everyone's keeping their cards close to their chest at the moment. Um, Kel, can I ask again, something? This is usually the time when a lot of the clubs 
have their trials for the NPL side of things. So <coughs> it, wouldn't that happen if the clubs have all their coaches appointed or would that proceed with whatever infrastructure the club's got anyway to capture players for next year? And, and that's, that's a really good question because a serious football club, a well-run football club, will have got out in the open and said, this is who our coach is for the coming season, come and train and trial. And you're giving your coach an opportunity to get in front of signing players, but also get players who might be keen to join an opportunity to go out and trial. At the same time, any real competent club, you're not publicly announcing that you're having trials unless you are seriously lacking in players. So if you look around the leagues and you look around the Facebook and you see the clubs who are saying, hey, we're having trials for our NPL team, that shows that you're finding it, they're finding it really difficult to attract players, especially from an NPL level. That's something that an amateur club might do. That's something that a state of two club might do. But if you are a serious football club who's hired a serious coach who has connections and networks and knows people, you're not necessarily saying this stuff out loud. So the fact that there are some teams who are doing that suggests that they're in trouble, but also the fact that some teams are doing that without announcing their coach also kind of suggests that they might be in trouble as well. Mm. So do you, do you think it's anything to do with the COVID period and the employment situation at the moment where there is a lot of people looking to come to Perth because there's a lot of job opportunities and people are possibly working more, like, and I don't mean in the coaching space, I mean working to provide for their family more and choosing that over football? I think so. That there is, I'll, I'll speak with anonymity here, there are a couple of coaches who got a really good job last year and their budgets have become a little bit tighter. Mm. And the tighter budgets have meant that they've said, well, look, I'm just going to go work and do more work with my family. Mm. Um, I'm going to go put money elsewhere. The COVID situation does mean that some clubs don't necessarily have as much funds as they would have had last season or the season before. Um, and things are being tighter there as well. So, like, again, have a look at some of the clubs who have hired internally and promoted people from their 18s to the first team. Um, again, I'd like to, I'm not denigrating the quality of the coaches there, but that's something that you typically do not see. You typically see first-team coaches go from first-team coaches to first-team coaches unless they are a hotshot prospect. And even in that case, that hotshot prospect probably comes a lot cheaper than a Graham Normington, for example. Mm. Um, what, what I do think it, the, the, the big underlying thing here is, and you'll see this especially with the, with the women's league, is we don't have enough talent at the moment. We don't have enough talent to get the best coaches. We don't have enough talent to get the best players. I think we're a little bit oversaturated in terms of the number of teams that we've got here in WA. Um, and yeah, it's making it really difficult to get quality and have quality spread right the way through the, the three tiers in the men's league, the three tiers in the women's leagues as well. Hang on, did you say oversaturated? Yeah. Do you mean that we've got a whole lot of good quality players in those top leagues? Other way. More, okay. more, too many clubs, not enough players. No, yeah, I think we've got way too many clubs and not enough players. Yeah. I think if we had fewer clubs or less clubs, I'm not too sure which word to use there is, <laughs> but if we had um, fewer clubs, less players, we'd probably have, we had fewer clubs, we'd have more players playing and more opportunities for these players and we wouldn't necessarily need to have 600 coaches. We could be final 300 coaches, for example. Hmm. Um, but it is interesting that Rich Abrams, Graham Normans and Ben Evans who were top coaches, um, then Evans took his team to the top four, um, took Swan into a promotion yeah. allegation game, 
and he's looking for a club, mm. <laughs> which <laughs> you, don't, you don't get that. But at the same time, Balcata, huge club, great facilities, great infrastructure. Um, what they do in the women's game is superb. The committee is superb. The social media team is superb. And they don't have a coach for their women's NPL team. Um, Curtin, again, big club, big catchment area, big set of players that you can go and, and, and recruit after also don't have a coach for their women's team. And again, we can talk about the quality of that of that women's league and the quality of that curtain team. But in general, these are attractive jobs for anyone who really wants to sink their teeth and then have an opportunity to play at the highest level. Time to ramp up all of the coaching courses out there and provide for the future. Free courses, I think maybe. Yeah, I think they're doing a pretty decent job. Um, but it's... And I, I think I think another thing is we do need to have players who are leaving the game, who are retiring, who still want to be part of it and want to give back. And the more of that that we get through, the more we get a better understanding of people who can still contribute and still be part of the community in that way as well. Do you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see, when I say free courses, I'd like to see the clubs and some of the larger ones providing referee and coaching courses for their own players. Like, uh, it, it could be free, it could be discounted, but um, within the club structure itself, I'm sure that they're would be, I don't know, um, some of the larger clubs that have over a 1,000 playing members, that uh, Football West could provide a referee course there um, at a discounted rate because they're all at that club and they could make it mandatory for, I don't know, the amateur premier players or the 21s men's state league um, as part of their the club contract that um, they have to go and coach the juniors. So... Uh, or, show, or referee the junior teams in a season. That, that wouldn't work at amateur level. You're, you're not... No, okay, but bad, maybe a bad example, but as they work their way up through State League, and yeah. it could be women's yeah. NPL as well, that they have to give back to their local football community, which mm-hmm. is their club of 1,000 players, so that they're learning different parts of the game as well and giving back. Yeah, for sure. A lot of people won't like this person, but Campbell Ballantyne has a really good idea where... Players who get yellow carded for dissent have to do an online refereeing course, oh, and if they don't, yeah, yeah, and if they don't, if they don't get a pass mark, they then have to do it again and pay for it themselves. So <laughs> it gives people an it gives people an opportunity, especially the bad mouth, the, the bad mouthy ones like I may have been in a past <laughs> life. Um, <laughs> it gives you the opportunity to actually go look. Do I actually know the rules that I am yelling at this referee about? Um, and and. And it's a humbling experience when you realise that you can't be offside in the throw-in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kel, before we let you go, World Cup tips, young man. Who are they? Final four. Give us, give us your top four. Final four. There was someone who gave us final four the other a couple of minutes ago, and I was listening, and he had, um, he had like Netherlands, Argentina, and Brazil. Yep. And I was like, buddy, like those the Netherlands would have to play Argentina in the quarterfinals. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's one of those, it depends how deeply you want to delve into how the groups go. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I was thinking, like, you know, it's easy to pick a top four if you don't go through, well, these two have to meet before the... Yeah, you couldn't couldn't possibly. Yeah. So yeah. put put that aside. We're not going to stress too much about that they couldn't possibly meet before the finals. Yeah. You could pick four teams from one group if you want. Um, yeah, Pete, I've, <laughs> I've gone through and I've done a little bit of a bracket and you can go do so through it, like the FIFA website. And my... Top four. I'll go really quickly. I, I've got in the, in the in the semifinals. I've got Argentina, Brazil in one semifinal, and France, Spain in the other. Um, but that means that that Brazil beats Germany in a quarters. That means mm. Argentina beats Holland in a quarters. That means 
England beats France. Sorry, England lose to France in the quarters, and it means Spain beats Uruguay. So and, it it. Sorry, go on. Sorry, mate. No, I was just going to say, um, Argent- uh, Brazil beating Germany in the fi- in a, in a quarters would be great for Brazil because they'd love to get revenge for that seven one. Oh, absolutely <laughs> love to get revenge for that. I I do think that I do. Th- I'm, I'm getting swept up in the emotion of Argentina. It's the first World Cup without um, Maradona. It's oh, the yeah. first, it's, and it's Messi's last World Cup as well. And they just won Copa America. So I've got I've got Argentina as I think the team who ends up winning the World Cup. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think I don't think France can make it to another final. It takes something special to to get the two World Cup finals back to back. But I do think that Mexico make it out of their group. Yep. Um, and I also think I think Portugal don't go out of their group. I think there's just too much noise about them right now. Um, and I don't think that they end up getting, yeah, I, I don't think they end up getting the wins that they need because you're going to end up having to play Ronaldo. And as we've already seen so far, he is a phenomenal goal scorer. Mm-hmm. But the game has kind of passed him by to a point where you can't play with 10 people who keep running and do all the ball work and then have one person kind of stand there and say, I'll tap it in when it gets near to me. <laughs> Well, I think Penny's. You've just made Penny's bad list now. You've you've said something <laughs> nasty about Ronaldo. It's okay, you're right, Kel. <laughs> if that's all I needed to know to not come back on the show, I would have said this years ago. <laughs> Smart ass. <laughs> Kel, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time, and you can come back and uh, share your lovely voice with us anytime, young man. Pete and Ken, thank you so much. Also, watch out for Alex Carter, who's come back to North Perth United. That'll put a lot of pressure on Alex. Good job, Alex, and best of luck next season. Good one, okay, Kel. Thank enjoy you. your weekend. Thank you so much. You take care. See you, Kel. Thanks, Kel. That was Kalichi Osanwa, one of the voices of Perth, talking about the local scene. Um, yes, we're going to talk more football very soon with Neil Bennett. And running a theme of the World Cup, which starts on Monday. Lots of football going to be happening there. Um, It would be very hard, by the way, for Portugal not to get out of their group with with Ghana and South Korea. I mean, come on. Uh, I mean, I would have said exactly the same thing. I said exactly the same thing in 2018 about Germany. You know, there's no way they can't make the second round. And, you know, we I watched them crash and burn. And I couldn't even be angry about it because that that last game against... um, South Korea, where you just okay, we'll score a couple of goals and get through, and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen. It's getting to the seventieth minute, eightieth minute, and then in the not first, you know, three minutes of extra time, South Korea hit one on the counter attack, um, and then suddenly Germany's like, uh, we're going out if we don't score. So they all pushed forward. And then in the sixth minute of extra time, South Korea got a second one. I couldn't even be mad about that. That was that was fantastic. So and you know, Asian, it's always good to see the Asian Confederation doing going well too. So. What we love about football. That's right. So, hey, maybe it's Portugal's turn this year. Maybe. This is Penn and Pete. We're going to talk more football after this break. Stay with us. You're listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly. Chair of the Football West Men's State League Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian local football news.
Hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. You're listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoth, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Programme. Welcome back to the World Football Programme. Penn and Pete in the studio on a lovely Saturday morning that hasn't rained just uh, yet. It literally was raining. Was it? Yeah. It's, oh, my God. Yeah, the, my you can tell who's sitting window. with their back to the window and yeah. who's facing the window in the Dan, studio here. It was very sunny when I left home this morning. I thought, in for a lovely day. So we're getting Melbourne weather, basically. Yeah. It's been a bit crazy the last couple of days. Yeah. Hmm. Neil Bennett, good morning to you. Good morning, Penn. How are you? Yeah, super fantastic, talking lots of World Cup football at the moment. But uh, in your world, there's been a little bit of travel over to Singapore. Mm. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah. Um, went to Singapore, um, got back on uh, early hours of Tuesday morning after being up there for a week with uh, two under-16 teams from Perth Red Star. Um, taking part in a tournament called the Singer Cup, um, mm. which is a youth tournament. Um, been going for quite some time, but obviously over you know, the last two years, COVID has had a, a big impact on that. So it hasn't been played for the last two, but we went up there um, and had a very successful tournament. Um, there were eight teams playing in the under-16s, and I think it was five teams in the under-14s. Lots of Aussie teams up there. Um, and yeah, we managed to get a silver medal um, and a fourth spot for, for Red Star. So very happy with all of that. Excellent. Is, is this a tournament that attracts teams from, like, basically Australia and the immediate surrounds around Singapore, or where do they come from? Yeah, so in the girls, there was uh, there were a couple of teams from Singapore uh, taking part in the 16s. There was a team from the Philippines taking part in the 14s. And then in the boys, uh, Malaysian teams, Filipino teams, um, Indonesian teams... So it is quite a big tournament, um, and it's great exposure for the for the younger players, um, because usually I think most of the West Australian teams, you know, if they're, if they're not if the players are not selected for um, NTC or state squads, they very rarely travel out of the state. Mm. Um, whilst it's a great tournament, the, the the Bunbury tournament is probably about as far as they travel. Um, but this is a great experience for them. There was a team from Northern New South Wales who came over as well. And, they won the under-14 girls competition. Um, Football West sent up three teams in the girls. In the in the boys competition, Football West sent teams up. I saw there was a team from Southwest Phoenix up there as well. Um, uh, Fremantle sent a team. Caramar sent a team. 
So it's beginning to sort of be something that people uh, are looking at, but obviously the logistics and getting up there is quite expensive. So you do need to do a lot of planning if you're going to be up there and um, you've got to be prepared for some very, very different playing conditions to those that we experience here in Perth. Such as weather? Yeah, weather is one of them. I mean, it's, as you know, in the tropics, it's very, very humid. And the way the scheduling works is that um, on the first day, you play two games uh, in the group matches. And there's only, only an hour break between the games. They are modified. They're 30-minute halves. Uh-huh. But never, nevertheless, it, it, it is brutal, uh, the heat. And then if you get a, a tropical downpour, as we did, then the pitch soon becomes waterlogged. There are artificial pitches, but they still become waterlogged. Um, and then on the second day, you play your final group game, and then you go straight into either semi-finals or playoff matches. So you have two games on that one, and then if you are successful and you get through uh, the semi-finals, uh, you end up playing um, first and second and third and fourth games on the Saturday. So um, five games in three days, and we also played a friendly game uh, prior to the tournament starting against the under-18 Singapore national team. Uh, which was a great um, a great experience for our players, a great experience for the coaches as well, uh, to get to see some very, very good Singaporean players playing some excellent football. So is this a pathway for ambitious clubs to benchmark where they're at? I think it could be. I mean, uh, it, certainly the team that we played in the, in the final, the Singaporean team, were, were excellent um, apparently the strongest team in Singapore both for for men and women Um, they supply a lot of players to the national teams for the men and the women their setup is amazing Um, and it it obviously goes all the way down into into the youth structure so it's good to see where you're at and one of the things that it showed us very very clearly was um, technical skills um, you know for players they need to improve on those because the, the artificial pitch and the heat meant that you know, the ball had to do a lot of the work and uh, that means your touch has to be really, really good. So, mm. yeah, it was it was a good experience. Um, and then you also get to experience some tournament football as well and living in a hotel, going through the, the, the warm-up, the warm-downs, stretching and everything else like that, trying to make it as realistic as possible uh, for the players, for them to become comfortable in an environment where they weren't up there for a holiday. Obviously, they did have some walks and, and a few breaks here and there, but really they're up there to play football and confined in hotels, and that's what you do. It's it's quite an experience for them. Hmm. Well, why were the games played on artificial pitches? See how much it rains up there, Pen? <laughs> <laughs> so... They'd be bogs. They'd be quagmires. You couldn't play them on grass. Okay. Uh, the pitches were just cut up, so they're artificial. That leads to problems uh, as well because injuries became an issue for all of the teams as we went through. Heat stroke was a problem. You had to be very careful in managing the, play- the players. It was a, a rotational uh, thing, much like we do for our juniors here. So interchange was used, and you had to be careful with workloads for the players. Um, getting them rehydrated between the second, the first and the second game was critical. Keeping them cool was critical. Um, but, yeah, the artificial turf meant that the ball bounced a little higher than normal. But we've got artificial turfs here. Alan Brooker got one murder, because you know, Pat, they've got one. So that's not that unusual, but it's just the heat. And uh, players soon became very, very hot and uh, the, the pace of the game dropped right off. Mm. Uh, so- Neil, was the, you mentioned that you played a friendly match beforehand against the national team. 
Was that a tougher match than the actual tournament games, being being that you're up against the national side, or you know? Oh, what... very, yeah, very much so. I mean, the the, the way that they move the ball around, um, being a, uh, being an Australian team, we came out all guns blazing in the first ten minutes, but they just sat back and just yeah. picked us off. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they knew what they were doing. The, the, the big difference between the two teams was the technical ability, but also the, the game smarts. They may not have been as physically strong as our players, but they knew how to use their body to protect the ball. Uh, they knew how to win one-on-ones, and they beat us 4-0. And whilst, you know, we, we tried our very hardest, obviously, um, we didn't really test them for any period of time. Every now and then we might get a breakaway, but... They controlled the game in the midfield and, and just passed the ball around. And our players were chasing shadows for, for long periods of the game, so it was a great learning experience for them. And as I said, for coaches as well, it gave us a lot to take back to Perth and, and for us to work on for our junior players going forward. Excellent. That's probably a good segue into let's have a chat about the Matildas and their recent uh, performances. The last four matches that Australia Matildas have played is against Africa. Denmark, Sweden, and Thailand. Four wins. Africa. Uh, South Africa. Oh, South Africa. Yeah, sorry. Missed the South sorry. bit. Geography yep. nerd here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> hmm. uh, so do we think that Tony G is a whiz and everything's going according to plan? Well, he seems uh, that the results are a lot better than, than last year, definitely. Mm. And, and I think that that can only be a good thing. The confidence... You could see it was oozing through them uh, in the last game against Thailand. Uh, I mean, for for long periods of the game there, it was uh, it was almost attack versus defence. Um, but even the game against Sweden, I thought they looked really sharp. Um, and I think that by playing all of these very very tough teams, um, it does mean that they know what to expect against the highest ranked European teams and the Americans. Um, and I think that their ability now to to absorb the lessons from those games is showing. Uh, plus, you've got players coming back from injury. Kellen Knight coming back as well. That was a great bonus. I mean, obviously, we're losing players as well, unfortunately. But I think that and the introduction of uh, some real young talent coming through as well, um, it, it was very encouraging to see uh, those two games here in Australia as well. I think that's as good as the Matildas have played in a very long time at all. It feels like all the tinkering is kind of working its way by process of elimination to this is the squad that we're going to shape up with next year. And, you know, those players are getting more game time together. It must be incredibly hard because players come from a lot of international leagues and different positions globally now to get them together for long enough to get the dynamic happening. And it's the dynamic that works, not necessarily the very best technical players, but what dynamic works on the pitch when you've got them there and we need to win games. And it was interesting for me when I watched the game against Thailand and they kind of presented the Great Wall of China. And I thought back to a game, I think when Alan Stagic was coaching and we played an Asian team and it was in Asia and Australia was trying to break down this you know, huge defensive wall of Asian players and we were throwing everything at it and unable to break it down. Mm. And I thought, what do you do when you've got a, a team that will come out and beat Sweden 4-0, pull them apart with whatever, and then the, you'll be a defensive wall and you have to play differently? What do you yeah. do then? Yeah. Mm, yeah, and I think that, um, you know, the, the experiences in the Asian Cup as well, uh, albeit it wasn't a great tournament for us, but... 
you learn those things and that was something that we took away from Singapore was just the way that they organised themselves as well in, in defensive shapes. They were very quick to get back into a defensive shape and that, you know, if you're going to be playing against a physically strong team, then getting back into your shape very, very, very quickly helps you uh, with that and, yeah, I thought the Thai players uh, were, were very good but we did tear them apart um, for, for regular periods of time and, um if it hadn't been for a little bit of uh, misfortune hitting the post a couple of times, score could have easily been five or six. Mm. Mm. Well, that consistently is going to need to sharpen up a bit when we play against some other opposition in the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, get it all mm. out now, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You think we're heading in the right direction though, Neil? Quite shaping up. So it does mean that this WA League season coming up... Um, you know, a bolter coming out of the blue uh, to get into that squad is probably not something that's likely to happen unless there's any significant injuries mm. within the current sort of setup that Gustafsson's got. I can't really see him dipping into too many more players to, to pull them out, but anything can happen. And, and really, this this uh, this uh, A-League season um, is an absolute... You know, Belter, as far as I'm concerned, uh, in terms of what players are going to produce, because they really are putting themselves out in the shop front now. That you know, to say, hey, pick me, pick me, pick me, um, and it's a, it's a perfect opportunity for them to really showcase what they're capable of, and and the length of the season as well means that they don't have to worry about fast starts or anything like that. They they can build into the season, the teams, and I think it's um, it's going to be a great season, I reckon. Yep. Just for the listeners, we're into. I think it's season 15 this year of the National League for our women. Changed in various formats and names over the years, but it's our National League for the women. And we'll have 20 rounds. Yeah. Uh, we've had a six-week pre-season for Perth Glory. I don't know how that compares to any of the other teams. It doesn't actually seem like a lot when I say six weeks, I've mm-hmm. got to say. But maybe, Neil, you can help me out with the pre-seasons of any of the other A-League women's clubs um, it's a third season Packus has been in charge and he's assembled a pretty damn solid squad. He started doing it a hell of a lot earlier and, you know, I, I think we're solid, they're working together. I, I'm going to look forward to watching them play here in Perth too in round two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that will be good. Um, yeah, look, I think the other teams have been pretty much the same sort of uh, length of time, but where the other teams have really sort of, I feel got a little bit further ahead and geography comes into this is that they've been playing a lot of friendly games against each other. Uh, Western Sydney Wonders have been playing a number of friendly games and mm. uh, the Melbourne team's been playing. Uh, we've obviously got another Melbourne team in there now in Western United. So it is difficult and I think that uh, Adelaide and Brisbane probably suffer from the same sort of issue that Perth suffer from. Um, so how they are actually faring, I'm... Uh, I'm a little... I, I don't think the squad is as strong as it was last season. I think the loss of Milik Jens and Della Harp uh, takes a lot away from them. Uh, those two were very good last season. Uh, Della Harp with a uh, set ball um, and also Jens with her power in midfield. I think that they're going to be difficult to replace. Um, I was having a quick look and but last season... There were 14 goals um, scored by, well, 17 goals scored by 
nine players last season. Four of those have left. Uh, that includes Lena Karmas, who was there for a little while. Um, so we've only got five players from last season who scored goals. Um, mm. And only one of those scored three or more, and that was Sierra Henson. Now, she's going to be a very important player for the, for the squad this season as well. So, yeah, it, it's, I, think, I think they'll do well, but whether they get into the finals or not, um, they will break history if they do that because that will be the first time Glory have got to the finals without Sam Kerr. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, four, the four times they've been in the finals, they've always had Sam playing for them. And uh, today, if they win, that will be the first time a Glory side has won in Canberra. Yes. So history's against them in this particular fixture. Um, so they're not up against it. It's very, very early in the season. As you mentioned, Penn, they're playing at home. Um, we just see how we go, and uh, they'll be solid. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But where the goals are going to come from, mm, yeah, I'm not not entirely sure at the moment. Well, they've got the US player Gabriella Coleman into the squad. I don't know much about Coleman. Do you? Uh, nothing at all, because her claim to fame, according to the Glory bio, is that her father played NFL. <laughs> um, so you know that it doesn't it doesn't fill you with a great deal of hope. She doesn't come in with any representative honours from, from America. They've got another American forward, Riley Baisden, uh, from North Carolina Courage. She has played W League. She scored three goals for Brisbane Raw, but she didn't play very much for North Carolina in the last uh, in the last women's season there. And then the other forward that they brought in, uh, Milan Hammond from Blacktown Spartans, she's walking around in a moon boot at the moment. So uh, I don't know what the state of her injury is. So they've brought forwards in, but um, they're not packing a lot of goals, I don't think. Maybe it's going to come from some technical play in the midfield where they'll play around the defence and score some easy goals, Neil. Well, um, they didn't do it last season. <laughs> <laughs> they scored a lot of goals from set pieces, um, which is where Della Hart came into her own. Um I'm hoping that Hannah will step up this season. Yes. Uh, yeah, she yeah. scored. She scored one goal last season. She can pull it um, out of the bag. She does, but this is the season where she really needs to pull it out of the bag uh, because she now has to really step up if she wants to push on into the next level. Um, I think she's really got to step up and be a game breaker for Glory and be much, much more dynamic and, and forward running into the box. Whereas last season. Alex played a much deeper, and I don't think that suited her particularly well. So maybe it will change the formation around a little bit. But, yeah, fingers crossed. Let's hope they get a good season under their belt. Mm. We've got uh, 10, 10 rounds, is it? So playing right through until, I think, April next year, which is... Yes, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Long so season. That, it is a long season, yeah. Um, and, you know, your squad depth then comes into it, doesn't it? So because yep. there's bound to be injuries and things like that and suspensions. Yep. Whereas in previous seasons, perhaps you could have got away with it because you wouldn't have had as many suspensions or things like that. But yeah, it, it does play into it. The squad depth does come into it. So um, they've certainly got, the, as you mentioned, they had the, the bulk of players from last season that returned. Um, so th there's the continuity there. But um, with that bulk of players, we still aren't, we don't have an out-and-out goal score apart from Sierra Henson. How these other two Americans go, I don't know, because you just don't know anything about them. I haven't mm. seen them, haven't seen them in uh, pre-season 
Uh, they haven't played against anybody, so you just don't know how it's going to play out. For what it's worth, Gabriella Coleman doesn't have a Wikipedia page, so if you sort of take that as the baseline to whether someone's yeah. got a degree of notoriety, notoriety. Uh, yeah. probably not the right word, but you know, you know what I mean, <laughs> like sort of. Um, yeah, I can I can only assume that um, Sierra Hinton has has had a word because she played in in Iceland as well. So she she may well have had some some insight into her and uh, recommended her. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it doesn't appear as if she's setting the world on fire. She's certainly not in American national selection teams by the mm. looks of things. Mm. What about Lisa Devana? She's not in the squad and mm-hmm. um, played a season with suit. Well, the second part of the season locally with Subiaco. I don't know what mm. next year's going to bring. Any thoughts on if she's uh, around here or she's uh, looking at other parts of Australia to play football? I I wouldn't know, Penny. I, and, I, and I think really um, Lisa didn't score last season um, for Glory. She she was very much a, an impact player. Um but there were other players in the local league. I mean, you had the Golden Boot winner, Larissa Walsh, uh, Tanika Lala. Why, why, are we not, why are we not looking at those? I mean, Tia Stonehill the year before the Golden Boot winner, not getting them looking. Yep. Um, so, so why is that? Uh, what, what's the situation? I know that Larry was training with Glory, um, and I believe that Tanika has been training with them as well, but uh, so far they're not certainly uh, in the running uh, well they may be I don't know I, I don't know the ins and outs but um, you'd think with with a game kicking off in an hour's time mm. contracts are not forthcoming right now then uh, they're, they're probably going to be best the best that we could hope for would be a, a, an add-on to the squad really yeah it is interesting and I think we probably talk about this every year not just with yourself but with everybody else that we ever talk about Perth Glory with the identification of local talent and how that happens and how, if they're not even part of the squad, how someone who's got some raw talent is going to develop it to Perth Glory standard or National League standard? Yeah, well, the, the squad at the moment has nine WA players in the 21 squad player uh, depth. And of those, four are from the local competition. All four of those are over 28. Mm. So that's mm. that's Tash Rigby, Kim Carroll, Ella Mastro Antonio and um, Sadie Lawrence. So the other West Australian five players are all been playing over east. Uh, you didn't say they were all over 28, did you? They're all over 28. The four that are playing in the NPL, mm. WA, that are in the squad, the oh, four that yeah. were from the local league are all yeah. over 28. Yeah, Because yeah. Abby and Hannah did not play in the NPL league. No, no, they played over east, as yep. did um, Tian yep. and also uh, Morgan Aquino. Um so, yeah, they, they were all playing over East. Mm. Well, we all hope for the best. We love Perth Glory. We want to see them locally play here at mm-hmm. Macedonia Definitely. Park. Yep. yep, and cheer them yeah. on and, and yeah. see them. Yeah. It sounds like yeah. you're, you're about to let Neil go, and I said we need to get his World Cup yes, tips off do. him too. So. we do. Sorry, <laughs> Neil's probably going, oh, no, who am I going to choose? Just, we're, we're just, we, we, want, we want top four, like four final. Who, who do you think will be the, the semi-finals, the final four? And, you know. um, Argentina, France, Belgium and uh, Uruguay. There you go. Ooh, There's a run. Uruguay. Uruguay. Maybe yeah. Uruguay to knock out Portugal on the way through. 
Well, okay. possibly. I mean, there's a lot going on with uh, certain Mr. Ronaldo. So <laughs> what, his, what his state of mind is, I don't know. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> that was out of the box. Not sure that uh, all those are going to get through, Neil, Belgium. Mm. <laughs> right. What, the team that was the semi, came third at the last World Cup. You, you're, you're talking them down, are you? Uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah he's amazing. One. Yes. Yeah, and... yeah. No, they've got a very they've got a very, very good side, Belgium. So, uh, been going around for a long time. Yeah. Um, out of that group, uh, Croatia is another one that could pop up. Yeah. And... Never ever rule out Germany or Spain. But I didn't want to have all Europeans in there, so that's why I've gone with the two South American teams. Yeah. Right. Belgium are actually ranked number two in the world at the moment. Yeah, and you were just talking them down. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I just don't have the feeling from them. I'm, yeah. Just really good of, beer, too. Just out of curiosity, and, and, with. And chocolate. Yeah, true, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Gillian chocolate's the best. Beer, beer and chocolate, yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, the Brazilian players, is there a high number of Brazilian players playing in Brazilian leagues, or are they scattered everywhere? I think a lot of them are playing in Europe. Um, the, the, the depth of the Brazilian team is, is quite phenomenal, but I, again, you don't know what's going to turn up. I don't think they had a particularly strong campaign coming into the World Cup. I might be wrong, but uh, I was just looking at YouTube the other day that they're not the team of 1970, which is always my Brazilian team that I put them up against as a benchmark. So... <laughs> all right, so I'm oh, sorry, I looked it up quickly. The, the Brazilian team of the, the players announced for the squad, four of them, oh, sorry, three of them play in South America. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Palmeiras and two for Flamenco, uh, and every other name on the list we've got, you know, Liverpool, Juventus, Chelsea, PSG, Manu, West Ham, Manu again, Tottenham, PSG, Barcelona. And one expects they're all getting game time. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> so, so, yeah, not, not a heavy. Um, Local, local, local flavour to yeah. it. Yeah, okay, interesting. All right, Neil, thanks very much for joining us this morning. Appreciate your time as always, and uh, you have yourself a great weekend. And go the Socceroos, and go yeah. Perth Glory. Yes, go, go Perth Glory. Half an hour kick off. Yeah, that's right. We'll be we'll be tuning into that one. But yeah, go Socceroos. Absolutely. Yeah. Good one. Thanks, Neil. <laughs> thanks, Ben. Cheers, Neil. That was Neil Bennett, Beyond Ninety Red Stars coach, Singer Cup coach. Generally all-round female football supporter. And good egg. Yep, good egg. And and, and sorry, while we're still on the players by club, I, I scrolled down a little bit and I found they've actually given a list of which clubs have provided the most players to the World Cup. So yeah, go on. 17 players at the World Cup will, are playing for Barcelona. So that's across all nations. Uh, 16 from Bayern Munich and... Manchester City and 15 from Al Sadd in Q8. So as we just said previously, 12 of the Q80 team are there and there's a few other African nations that have got players there. And Manchester United, Real Madrid, it's probably what you'd expect. Probably the only other one that's a bit surprising is 12 players come from Al Hilal in Saudi Arabia. So again, I imagine that would largely be the Saudi squad and yeah, maybe, the- maybe one or two others. Uh, do you mean the Qatar squad? No, no, Al Hilal in Saudi Arabia. Okay. okay, all the Arabic team clubs start with Al, so maybe that's a bit confusing, <laughs> uh, which I think means the, but I could be wrong. I'm not too up on my Arabic. But, yeah, so Al-Hilal is uh, Saudi... Oh, my goodness. Yes, there's a Saudi Arabian squad here, and it's literally Al-Hilal, Al-Nazar, Al-Nazar, Al-Hilal, da-da-da-da-da. So, yeah. Flipping heck. So all the, all the Saudi players play in Saudi Arabia. 
So they don't have any players playing in Europe or South right. America or even other Gulf states or anything. Wow. That's probably the only one as I just scrolled through. I wonder if that's a consequence of some kind of national contractual arrangement or just by choice mm. or ability, like quality of player. No, no I don't think that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was actually some sort of uh, ruling they had about wanting to have players um, playing domestically as a requirement. Hard to say. Just for those of you who are unknowing, I make it there's 26 players in the Socceroos squad. Yep. And I'm just going to rip through them all, uh, starting from goalkeepers, then going through to defenders, midfielders and attackers. So Redmayne, Ryan, Vukovic as the goalkeepers. And you can correct me for any of my pronunciation if you so wish, okay? Uh, Bayich, Atkinson, Karatsev. Karakic, Karakic, Fran Karakic, yep. thank you. Uh, Joel King, Rolls, Sutar, who I believe hasn't had a lot of game time. Has he been injured? Not sure. Um, Dejanek, Deng. Deganek. Sorry. Deganek. Yep. Deganek, thank you. Deng, Wright, Bacchus, Devlin, Hristic, Rost, or is it Rostic? Hristic, yeah. Hristic, Irvine, Moy, McGree, Goodwin, McLaren, Mobile, Boyle, Leckie, Quoll, Duke and Cummings. Mm. I'm actually pretty excited by the mix of players that we've got and the way that the team can play differently with those players on or off the park. And and if we go by the clubs that have sent Australian teams over, uh, sorry, Australian players over, there's a very strong Scottish influence there. We've got a total of seven seven of the players are currently playing in Scotland, three of them for Heart of Midlothian. Uh, and also Central Coast Mariners in Australia have provided three of the players in Denny Vukovic, Garan Kool and Jason Cummings, who, if you've ever heard him interviewed, he sounds very Scottish when he when you speak with him. Who's well, that? Cummings. Cummings, the yeah. striker for Central Ab- Coast. He's got a nickname I won't say on air, but yeah. I think everyone knows it. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, he's got... Uh, and so a total of seven seven players in the squad are actually for from A-League sides, like currently from A-League sides. Yep. Question for you is how many of them have ever played for the glory? Penny, go for it. Ooh-wee. Uh, Vukovic? Yeah, that's the only one off the top of my head I, I'm, I'm looking at. Yeah. Thinking, thinking, thinking. I think he's the only one. I think he's the only one. Yeah. Yep, uh, because Sainsbury, no. McLaren? Oh, see, yeah, of course. Yes, hey. yes, 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 yes. I knew there had to be another one, and I was, I was like, oh, Missed something nice. obviously. Nice. Peter Wright will like that. He likes his uh, quiz questions. Yes. <laughs> okay. I think we're going to go to a break. We'll come back and chat more football with a young Zara Board who's making her way up the Matildas channels like young Miranda Templeman. Yep. This is Pan and Pete on the World Football Program. Stay tuned for more banter after this break. When I look back on my career, I don't want to be asking myself, what if? The time has come to show them our passion, our grit. Show them the meaning of high-energy football. Show them our great Aussie spirit, that we give it our all and never say die. The AFC Women's Asian Cup is here. It's time to show them who we are. The World Football Program is a community program run by volunteers. Just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. 
Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support. Oswest Fencing and Raw Tine is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Tine. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. So the Socceroos have gone back to back to back to back to back. A fifth consecutive World Cup. Bring on the world in November. Do you recall the first steps taken 100 years ago, faithfully on the pitch of Dunedin? Or those who first showed us that it could be done in 74? How did 100 years of glory and heartbreak make us who we are? Ask any of our legends down the years what it means to make it this far. Did they give anything less than 100%? Because what does football teach us but the fact that anything can happen? The coolest of fates for the Socceroos. Perhaps in those moments we found our defiance. A desire to say, I, I told, told you so. We've got to stop talking about where we're going to qualify. We've got to start talking about where we're going to win World Cups. From those moments comes the redemption. He's yeah! Success that looms so large. Australia's goal the boy! He got it again for Holman! Oh, maybe, just maybe, the journey was our very own. Whether in Adelaide or Aberdeen, Sydney or Zagreb, the coast of Kakuma, those first steps were taken. From fleeing war to finding a home down under, to leaving home at 14 to chase a dream, being told we're not good enough, not tall enough, too weak. Too physical and becoming a squad that reflects the face of our country like no other. Rejections, doubts, and nearly giving it all away to becoming a cult. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Pete with you this morning until midday when the jazz show with Lennon Bags Groove takes you through the two hours after that into your afternoon. Good morning, Zara. How are you? Good night. Thank you for joining us. We've got young Matilda's goalkeeper, Zara Board, on the line. And I can say young Matilda's goalkeeper now, can't I? Not junior goalkeeper, but you've transitioned into that next age group. Yeah, um, just come back from a tournament um, at the Pacific Nations and really enjoyed that experience with the young Matilda squad. How old are you, Zara? I'm 17. And you're still growing? <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, the doctor says might have a few more 
few more centimetres left than me. Conversation's getting weird. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of um, Matt Ryan, the Socceroos goalkeeper, who's mm. not the tallest of goalkeepers, mm. but I was actually watching or uh, listening to some interviews with him during the week. I've been playing in goals a bit myself. Uh, lately, and uh, a lot of the training that I do, because I can't actually put my feet on the ground with work and family commitments, is a lot of listening to other goalkeepers talk about how they manage their defensive line to stop shots at them, mm-hmm. so mental imagery and stuff like that. Um, and it was very interesting. He was saying that it's not just about how you can react to things, it's about how you can organise vocally the defence line in front of you to stop those shots being taken at you in the first place. Yep, so yep. the qualities of goalkeeping were your ability to be vocal and your ability to lead and organise. Yep. What do you think about that, Zara? Yeah, precisely. Like, he's he's very dead on there. Like, if you can prevent a shot from happening, like, you're preventing a, a ch- opportunity for them to score. So if you can stop it before it even happens, then you're doing your job well. A shot prevented is a shot saved already. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, exactly. I, I can think of some amazing goalkeepers over time. Bruce Grobelaar, yep. uh, I think he was a South African goalkeeper, and uh, Liverpool. Mm-hmm. He pulled off some amazing saves, and I saw him fly across the goals, top left to save, just tip it around the post, and I'm thinking, is that because he saw that late and had to react and made it look really specky, mm-hmm. or he was just instinctively he could do anything I don't know. Are you an instinctive goalkeeper, Zara? Can you pull off those amazingly specky saves or are you more of a you get yourself into the right position and you don't need to do those instinctive specky saves? Oh, I think a bit of both. Sometimes you've got to, sometimes no matter what position you get into, you've always got to try and take off and make those specky high saves. But a save a save, as long as you keep it out of the goal, that's what matters. Yep, absolutely. Are you a good leader and a good organiser? Um, I like to think so. Um, going away with the Junior Matildas, I was part of the leadership group. Um, really enjoyed just um, talking, and I feel like that's one of my strengths in the goals. As you said, I'm not the tallest of keepers, but I do like to organise, and I hate, think that it helps prevent shots in the throughout the game. What does your role as part of the leadership group entail? Just, like, trying team coercion, like, like cooperation and just, like, holding everyone to that high standard, making sure that we can prevent things from happening in the team and just picking everyone up when they need it. Yeah, it's pretty valuable. Who do you think does that for the Matildas? Oh, you've definitely got a few, like... Obviously, Tegan Micah, like, you've, you've got to have your strong back. Like, you've got to be able to communicate from the back. Um, Sam Kerr having that, like, really experienced up top and even players in the midfield. Like, you've just got to have communication throughout the whole pitch. Absolutely. Who, who are your role models as goalkeepers, like, anywhere locally or internationally? Um, I always grew up with Lydia Williams. Um, mm-hmm. Always been my... Well, from a young age, um, but really enjoying watching Tegan Micah play at the moment. Um, Mary Earps for England, like especially some of those. Um, keep yeah, like Mary Earps. She's wear the same height, but she's playing first team for um, England. England, so there's definitely 
like that's definitely a big inspiration for me. Melissa Barbieri is not the tallest goalkeeper, but she played for the Matildas for many years, mm. and uh, I, I consider her very much like Ronaldo. Looks after herself and has a very long career. Is playing again in the A League this year. Um, she's she's a role model of mine, not because she's a goalkeeper, but because she looks after herself. She commands a lot of respect. She's a very good goalkeeper, um, and she keeps playing year after year. It's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible, especially with such the physical demands on a goalkeeper in terms of throwing your body around. Like, it, it's definitely harder to look after yourself, but if you can keep doing that, you can have such a long career. Yeah. How do you look after yourself? Um, definitely, like, I got to do all those little one percenters, the nutrition, rolling every night, stretching, making sure that my body's fit for training so I can give it 100% every session. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Just uh, on the looking after, looking after yourself immediately after a session. You, you said rolling there. Is a warm down a part of a team thing at local club level and then national level, or does everybody get to do their warm down in their own particular way? Um, I think it depends on the environment. Actually, we would normally go through um, some just stretches at the end of a session. But um, when you get to that higher level, you're doing a lot of active recovery. So we would, after a session, we would go and go to the pool and do a lot of those hot-cold recoveries in the ice pool, trying to make sure that we're fit and we can keep going with those one to two sessions every day and playing games. It's the best way to keep your body moving and recover for your next session. How do you feel about travelling away from home with a national team? Oh, I, I love it, like, getting to meet such a great group of players, um, going to different places, like, with the Junior Matildas, we went to Palembang in Indonesia, like, going to places you would never think you would go to is just amazing to just travel the world with a group, a great group of girls and a great coaching staff that look after you and want to see you improve and perform. Does it? help open your eyes to avenues and opportunities for Zara Board in the future? Yeah, 100%. Um, like in March, I'm off to the Dallas Cup with the Australian schoolgirls hmm. in America. Um, hopefully, we'll get some good scouting opportunities there, playing against some of the best uh, like under-20 uh, women's team, like, teams in the world. Like Teams are sent from Arsenal Academy and like Tottenham Academies from England um, for this tournament. So I'm really looking forward to that and hopefully some good scouting opportunities for colleges. What's 2023 going to bring for you? Uh, hopefully looking to go into that college system, as I just said. Like, um, we also have with the Young Matildas, there's the Asian Cup qualifiers in March. So hopefully keep working hard here and to get selected for that team to go across to, I think it's Kazakhstan, something similar to that. Yep. So Got it right. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have got it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think just keep working hard, hopefully get into that glory um, training system and to get that next level training to keep improving. 
Zara, sorry, I've got a question for you, and this is possibly the stupidest question ever, but I, I, I just wanted to check. Um, so when we have our guests on, normally I'll, I'll type their name into Google and see what comes up, so we've got a bit of background. Uh, and the first thing that came up for Zara Board was Zara Board is a 17-year-old junior drag racer, uh, etc. That's not you, is it? It is. Is it? Yes. It is. is that you? That Tell is you. Okay, I was like, no, it's got to be someone different. <laughs> okay, so you're a, a goalkeeper and a drag racer. Are you telling me that Zara's got a Wikipedia profile? No, not okay. quite. But there's an Instagram, like the summary came up okay. there. So cool. so that is you. Okay. Go. Yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, I've, I've raced from since I was 10 at the Perth Motorplex, yep. racing junior dragsters. Um, been all over Australia with that as well. Coming runner-up in the national championship for that. Awesome. Um, I believe it, I definitely think it was beneficial to my football as it helped work on my reactions because obviously you've got to be able to take off very quickly and that and I think that was good for my reactions and like taking off and obviously it's also a great environment to meet new people and just have fun. That that's awesome, and I'm actually happy it wasn't a stupid question now because <laughs> I'm sh- I was sure Penny was just going to roll her eyes. Of course, it's not the same person. No, he's a, he's a bit of a stalker on internet <laughs> stuff here. I guess just that's that's bringing up all this. This conversation's getting really weird. Yeah, good now. one, good one, good one. But and the reason that you don't do that anymore is Sarah. Um, actually, I've just aged out of juniors because um, their cutoff age is seventeen, so I don't continue the season, and then. I was going to step into a higher class this season, but obviously my football commitments are just getting a bit more hectic and just trying to focus on that at the moment. Okay. Okay. So you mentioned a few things in the conversation about getting into the Perth Glory system, but you also mentioned about going to the Dallas Cup and then playing in the American Collegiate System. So they're all in totally different places around the world. Where is your desire? What's your ambition to do in football and where do you want to be? Yeah, so, well, obviously in the long term, like, I want to make that, like, make that full Matilda squad be making, playing in the WSL in England. But I think to do that, my best option is to go to college in America. Obviously, being young goalkeepers, it's very hard to get positions in A-League with Mm. such, like, amazing experienced players within the A-League system. And obviously, it's goalkeeper you've got one, one player on the field and that player doesn't get subbed. I could be waiting years to play in A-League where I can go to college, play with some of the best young players around the world, getting game time and just improving physically, tactically, technically. Yeah. So then I can come back from college and hopefully secure an A-League spot. It sounds like a very patient game, being a goalkeeper. Mm. And you mentioned earlier about the one percenters and... If you're already technically and te- tactically and technically a, a good goalkeeper, and you might have finished your growth, it's just those experiences outside of your own environment that you're in that you need to go and seek to get those one percenters, isn't it? That make you just a little bit better. That can give you the edge to get the next step for you. Yeah, goalkeeper is such a it's a long game. Like goalkeepers tend to peak later than on-field players. Mm. So you've got to be able to get as much experience as you can, deal with as many shots as you can. So then you know each scenario, you know what to do when it happens again. And that's why like, I enjoy going to these environments where I know I can make mistakes and learn from it because it allows me to know what to do next time so then I can learn and push to that next level. 
before we let you go, it is impending World Cup. Oh, yes. So we need to get your tips, and they can be a whole stack of them or just a few. Who are you following in the World Cup? Well, you've got to follow Australia, born, born and bred here. So yep. um, hopefully watch some of their games. And I'm, I'm not too hopeful on that front, but hopefully <laughs> they do all right. Um, but also following England, my, my heritage is from England. So hopefully they'll, they'll have some decent games, but also not, not as helpful, hopeful on that front. <laughs> who, are you, who are you hoping to see maybe in the semifinals or the finals? Do you have some predicted uh, teams that are going to blitz it? Oh, there's a few few strong sides coming in. I feel like some of the South American sides, like Brazil and Brazil and Argentina, yep. could be very good. Can be very good on their days. But um, you've got to look at the strength of the Germany side as well, and as long and along with the France, which is in our group for Australia, I think can definitely be all good contenders for the cup. Yep. Now, um, there was one thing I did forget to mention to you, and I'm going to be totally biased here because Mum FC Melville is my club, and it was your club as well. But the number of female players that have come through our club and have represented national teams at all levels, uh, and I'd like anyone to challenge me on this, we've got... Um, You're talking goalkeepers or any No, it could, could be any. Yep. Okay, so Ruby Cuthbert has come through the junior Matilda system. Um, Miranda Templeman is playing for the Young Matildas. And Melbourne Victory. And Melbourne Victory, yep. And yourself, Zara Board, playing for Junior Matildas and Senior Matildas. We've got myself that's played for the National Universities team and touched on a little bit of Australian squad. Uh, not in goals, by the way. Um, and Tracy Wheeler, who's our goalkeeping coach at Mum FC. Mm-hmm. Full Matildas. So that's, that's a pretty impressive kind of resume of Mum FC. So if you want to make the Matilda squad, come and start with Mum FC. That's what it's saying, I think. Don't you think, Sarah? <laughs> yeah, I definitely I definitely enjoyed my time at Mum FC. Obviously, I started playing there. It's my first kind of social season, um, learning how to play the sport um, from when I was about 10, 11 years old and through to um, just last, last year where I moved to Subiaco. But... Uh, I definitely yeah, had all my development years through MOSC and I'm very grateful for the club. Um, but yeah, just getting into any club is amazing. Like getting into gods and having a go and you know who knows where it can lead you because I just started playing for a bit of fun and now I'm playing for Australia. So <laughs> you, not doing too bad. You are. And through the level of junior Matildas and young Matildas, there's not that many West Australians that actually travel that path. At the moment, there's um, Brooking, Cuthbert and Skinner in the junior Matilda squad, and I think Hannah Lowry might be, and uh, Miranda might be the only two in the young Matilda squad besides yourself. So it's not many in a squad of about, I don't know, 40 or so players. So well done. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely a bit more of a challenge for us over here. Um, going to the um, state schoolgirls um, tournament, we watched some of the MPL games in Sydney, and it is a whole other level. So for us, I think we have to work that extra bit harder, get those extra training sessions in, as we like maybe don't have the level that they have, but it just makes it 
all that more impressive when a Western Australian player makes a squad because you know they've worked so hard for what they've got. Mm. I agree. Yep. Patience yep. and commitment. That's that's pretty much what you're all about, isn't it, Zara? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, good one. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time and appreciate the uh, commitment that you're giving and uh, go WA. Go Perth Glory, go Socceroos. <laughs> go everyone. <laughs> and the Matildas. Yeah, tune in for the game in, um, got to be starting soon, the Perth Glory game starting in four minutes. That's right. It is. Look at you go, you advocate, <laughs> you. Zara, thanks so much for joining us. Have a great weekend. Great. Thank you, guys. Thanks, See Zara. Ya. Zara Board, NPL goalkeeper for Subiaco this year, junior Matilda, young Matildas, and who knows where her journey is going to take her from here, Pete. Yeah, who e- knows? Even locally, who knows? She played alongside... Ella Mestrantonio and Lisa Devana and Mariana Tabane at Subiaco. So nice mentors and role models on a local level there. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of football to be talking about, isn't there? And so from everyone's tips today, uh, the most popular teams were France and Argentina. Look at you go. Look at me go. And if we're talking like, okay, so Socceroos coming up this week, um, <coughs> France versus Australia, we've met twice before in competitive fixtures. Um, obviously, at the last World Cup, 2-1 uh, to France. I'm sure we all remember local lad Josh Risden gave away the penalty that let... Um, I'll, I'll forgive him. I don't forgive him for going over and playing for Western United and Western Sydney and all that, but I'll forgive him the penalty. Yep. Uh, but before that, we Australia had actually beaten them 1-0 when they were world champions at the Confederations Cup in 2001, if you remember with uh, Stan Lazaridis, et cetera, in the, in the squad at the time. Nice. Clay, Clayton Zane scoring the goal. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, there's something, unf- so there's, uh, you know, a positive weekend draw on it. We have beaten them before in a competitive match. Nice. Uh, and true. hopefully we'll be saying next week, hey, and we beat them again just in the week gone. Things to remember <laughs> before we tune out. Socceroos start there. Socceroos start there. Um, so it's on the... I don't even know what night it is. I know it's a 3 a.m. kickoff. I think but it's Tuesday night, Wednesday Tuesday, morning. Yep. I think that's how it goes. We'll, we'll say that. Um, but obviously, tune in to SBS. It's all on SBS um, free to air. Yep. Uh, so Australia versus France. Then Saturday night, next uh, Saturday evening, next week, um, it's Australia versus Tunisia. Yep. And then the week in that week, then it'll also be a game against Denmark, which is an 11 p.m. kickoff. And after that, it's the knockout stages, and hopefully we will have got through the group and be figuring out who our opponent is in the knockout stages. Yep, and if you're looking for some football tomorrow, there's, I don't know if you can catch the Celtic game, which will be on, I think it's at the same time as the, hang on, or is, oh, I might be mixing that up with the game today, I'm not sure. But Celtic Everton I is being played tomorrow. Okay, it is. Okay. And it'll be Perth time, I think it's about quarter to 12 kickoff, if I've subtracted Ooh. the daylight savings correctly. Might overlap just a little bit with the Perth Glory All-Stars and the PCH game. Look, if you've got the choice of watching a meaningless friendly between two teams from the UK or watching uh, a charity fundraiser featuring the local side, I'd pick the charity fundraiser. You go to the charity fundraiser, have your little device handy somewhere. And you just kind of whip it out every now and again and find out what's happening. I, I don't know if these games are televised, yeah, by the way, the Super Cup. People don't normally televise meaningless we, friendlies. We are going now and we'll be right. back again next week. It's been great having a chat, Pete. Thanks for joining us. Not a problem. Thank you, all of you listeners and all of you partners. I really do appreciate it. Len and Bag's Groove and his jazz program is up next. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. Go the Socceroos, Perth Glory and everyone else.